And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast presented by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. would like to remind you, Saturday, 4 o'clock, Holy Grail. Bearcats' final regular season road game as they head to Philly to take on the dreaded Temple Owls. Another in the I Hope I Never See You Again tour. Because I hope I never see Temple again. So yeah, make sure you're there. Four o'clock, we will get rolling. And uh, get all the uh, the festivities and the fun started as the Bearcats and the Owls get it going. Hi, Dave. Hi. This is this will definitely be a, a true farewell tour. I don't think you're going to get like a uh, revival, you know, like some band, their ninth farewell tour. No, no. This is every city for the last time. <laughs> see us now or see us never. One night only. One night only. My goodness. I, I It just... Each week it gets like more and more like, thank God we don't have to ever see them again. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's the end. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, but yeah, you, am I coming on to, to talk about uh, positive things or, you know? I just we're here to talk about things. Things. I I mean I have things I can discuss. I mean I, I... <laughs> what, what what would you like my uh takes on? Oh, I, I guess you know it, Aaron and I have given our takes on the events of yesterday as we had a little little therapy session for the peeps yesterday after that travesty of a day was over. Um, what black Black Wednesday, if you will, uh, for Bearcat basketball. Um, well, I, let's just get it out of the way so we can move on. Uh, uh, Dave, what are your takes on Isaiah Collier picking USC? I I kind of don't really have any. Like, I know that's not great for a podcast. It's not great for a podcast. It just like I'm, I, it's I'm not. not it doesn't. I'm not upset. I'm not like. I'm not even really disappointed. Like. It's recruiting, you know. You, of course, you want to get guys, and I, we would love to have Isaiah Collier be a Bearcat next year, and I think that would do wonders for the program in the present and probably uh, in the future recruiting. But like, this is still a young program with Wes Miller running it, and you know, you're gonna, you know, especially in basketball recruiting, you're gonna miss a probably more than than you hit and it's really the first time he's he's gone down this road with a player of that caliber now of course you know the number one player is an even even different story but like you know anybody in the top five top 10 top 15 like this is the first go at it and you know so you're 0 for one if this was the 10th time and we're now 0 for 10 or one for nine, then I would probably have a much different stance on it. But 
I'm it's hard to get too worked up or too negative when you when you miss on one guy and you know you hadn't exactly you know been you know quiet of your opinion you you said that you know it's this is a very hard read but for a while you said it seemed like things were heading in the well, USC direction so it's not like this should come as a huge surprise um yeah look him coming up that last weekend threw my brain off right like it, I, trying to figure out what to make of that I I struggled with but we also said that like that wasn't like thrown together at the last minute right but my brain also said look I don't think anything is gonna change that it's probably gonna be USC but how do you ignore the fact that his high school got on a bus they drove nine hours to Cincinnati they were here all weekend, or most of the weekend. They went to a football game. They were in Fifth Third Arena practicing twice. Like, that's hard to just say, eh, I don't think that all, all that really is much of a, a factor. But, Lambig says he'd take one for nine, Dave. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, great. <laughs> but there's a reason rule number one in recruiting is rule number one in recruiting, Right? Yeah. Mom. Mom isn't undefeated, but she's not defeated very often. And especially when it's wanting you to go somewhere where your big brother is and your uncle lives and you have a support system and a family. Um, Natalie, uh, we are still in therapy session mode. This is more like, um, and Natalie asks, is is tonight not a therapy session? (laughs) Yesterday was call your Norse ticket master, zero ticket day for her. Uh, she has feelings to feel. Um, this is like the um this is like the the return visit, right? Like the follow-up visit. The therapy, the real the hardcore therapy was yesterday. Um, but if you've got other stuff you still need to get out, we're still here for you today. How's that? Um the one thing I think that like obviously to be a coach that, and, and it played out in this recruitment, to be a coach that gets a lot of high-end talent, you have to prove you can get that high-end talent to the NBA. Wes has not had an opportunity to do that yet. And, of course, obviously it is much easier when you've got the number one player uh, because guess what? He's going to the NBA regardless, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> he is he is going to be in the draft the year after he comes to college regardless. So uh, that makes it easier. It's kind of a cheat code. But the reality is, guys want to play for coaches that have put dudes in the NBA. And until you do that, it's going to be kind of held against you. Yeah, there's, a, but, there's a, it's like the job experience. Like, how do I right. get this? You need job experience. Well, how can I get job experience if I, you know, if I can't get this job type thing? Yeah. Well, you need three years experience. Well, I don't have any years experience because nobody will hire me because I don't have three years experience. Um, but ultimately, man, I, I think the kid was, it would have taken a miracle 
to get him away from that idea of USC and Houston living in LA and whatnot and what have you. So yeah, I mean it's 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 time to move on. Turn yeah. your attention to Kokomo, Indiana. <laughs> see if see if see if, let's see how swing number two goes, right? That's right. Because if you're asking me like as a prospect, what I I mean, I'm I'm a very you guys know I'm a giant Flory Badunga guy. I think his impact in the game is uh immense in many different ways. All right, let's talk about the the disaster at Truett Arena last night. Um I've already had enough fun mocking them for no internet and and their microphones didn't work and their game presentation was shit. Uh, so I won't do that again tonight, but I, you, you have, look, you got to give NKU credit. We're going to, we're going to, you know, talk about all the things that went wrong. If you don't want to hear us talk about the Bearcats talk, I, <laughs> <laughs> there's only one way I can help you, bud. I don't want to tell you what it is. Cause you might do it. Um, NKU played really well. They executed their game plan. They had a, a rowdy environment, um, and they played better than UC. Like, we'll get to the whys. We've already gotten to the whys a bunch last night on that show, but uh, we'll get Dave's take, um, and then we'll be done with it. So, Dave? Uh, the two things that I remember from the game last night, because I obviously didn't watch much of the first half, uh was Micah Adams-Woods going weak to the basket again? So that was cool. And NKU running the same action at least two times in a row, maybe three times in a row, to start the second half and scoring on all of them. Uh, then I decided I would have more enjoyment in, of my night watching Central Michigan and Western Michigan <laughs> play in three feet of snow, and I made the right decision. You did make the right decision. That was a uh, – it was not – the second half was not fun to watch. Um, but in, in reality, I think taking the, the shooting, you know, you're never, you, you never expect to have that bad of a shooting performance, scoring performance, whatever you want to say in the second half. Um, away from it, I am – you know, we're four games in, so let's not totally go 180 degrees or off the rails or anything. But my my concern is that all of the nice things I said uh, last week, last <laughs> week after the first game, I'm starting to wonder if those can just be contributed to playing a Division Two team. Yeah, because as the other three games have unfolded, all those nice things have have happened in in far fewer uh, amounts of time or segments of the game, and so you can only take what you've seen for four games. But I am uh, I am putting a pretty big break on what I think this team can be, because a lot of the issues that uh, manifested last season still seemed to be prevalent and you know 
NKU played hard. They played well. They especially in the first half, they made shots. But like, are are they? You can tell me much, much more than I would know. Like, but are they good? Like, I don't think under any circumstance you should drop that game if you have aspirations to be an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, that definitely has to take a uh, a hard backseat right now, right? Like, you're going to have to go out to Maui and prove that you're not the team that we watch kind of slog through these last three games. Right, and I'm, and I'm not saying, like, we were sold a bill of goods or we hyped up particular players too much. I mean, it is still four games. There's a lot of a lot of season to go, but I, you know, I just, I can't help, but think about the, you know, the issues that presented themselves last night, the issues that have presented themselves at times in the non uh, Shamanad games and, and think that, you know, are we equipped to, get rid of those completely? Are we equipped to minimize those to some degree? Like, again, I don't know. I mean, uh, next week will tell us a lot. Could tell us a lot real good. Could tell us a lot real bad. I mean, that's the, that's the brunt of what the Mali Invitational is. Like, it's a, it can be a season maker on both ends of the spectrum. Yes. Um, I think this is important to note. This is, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this today. Um, when, you know, it's it's Oncology Thursday in the Brendel household. So you get a lot of time to think uh, as you sit around. Um, just because they're better doesn't mean they're good enough yet. Right. Like, I think the I think we've rested a lot on this team will be better than last year. Right. They'll have more options. Um, things will be a little they'll be longer. They'll be a little more athletic. Still not maybe athletic enough, as we maybe found out last night. Um, but one. Just say like just the understanding that they'll be better doesn't mean the problems are solved. Right. It doesn't mean all the things that plagued them last year are automatically answered and uh, erased. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't think it's, I mean, is it really debatable that like from one to 13 that this roster is better than last year? And if you want to look at it that way, then yeah, they, they can be better. But like, like you said, what does that mean in the grand scheme of an entire season? And, I don't think, like, I'm not big on, like, telling people how they should fan, like, except when it comes to, like, booing players or whatever. But, like, if you're upset about last night, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, I totally get it. And I'm not one to get, like, super upset about things like, like a single game in November. But, like, they that was an unacceptable effort game plan adjustment like the whole round the whole thing about it just screamed like just totally unprepared for that game 
Um, I don't know. See, I, I disagree with that slightly in that I still like I thought there was a lot of positive that came out of the first half that they went in there. They took in KU's punch. That defense is always kind of a little bit of a challenge to to figure out, but they still they scored 40 points. They went into halftime with the lead in a game that or in a half that they played well for like seven minutes. No, I, I and I agree. Like, but what I, where I will agree with you, I think they went to halftime and said, We took their best shot. We're gonna cruise. And we figured out the defense. They took their best shot. We've got the crowd kind of subdued now. We're gonna we're gonna cruise. I mean, you were up. Second half. You were up four points on the road against a team that you know had this game circled. Like, how can you possibly take that mentality into the second half of a game? I, I, I don't know, Dave, but I, that's what I saw. I saw a team that came out in the second half and thought that, like, okay, now we're now we're just going to walk over these guys because we took we took their punch, we answered, we responded, we've got this thing rolling downhill now. And it's like, I'm not excusing it. Oh, I, I'm I know. saying I'm that's what saying. I saw happen. I didn't I'm see just... a team that was, that wasn't prepared initially. I saw a team that came out in the second half and just thought, you know, we got yeah, this I mean, thing. They might've been prepared and NKU just made all their threes to start the game. And, and, and that is what it is. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I, I, the, like, I don't know if I'm like even trying to find the right way to say it. I'm just like I'm I don't think you can can look at that last night and and just be like, well, you know, it, it's gonna happen because we just don't have the roster yet or whatever. I'm like I don't buy that. Like I, I don't necessarily buy that either. Uh, like I think I, that's such a cop out when like a coach and I'm not saying Wes has done this at all. But, like, when you hear, like, the, well, they're not my guys thing, like, this whole roster is basically, like, a very large portion of this roster is his guys. So, and I'm not saying he's saying that at all. It's more more than 50%, right? I mean, four of your top eight guys aren't his guys. Dave, Micah, JD, and Vic. Well, that says more about the... Does, does that say I, no I, I'm answering your question. I'm answering your question. I know. But all like so that's four of thirteen. That's, that well, but it's your top eight guys. Get better guys. Well, I think they're trying to do that. I know. But like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You work with what you got, and I just like if you're not like an NK, you might end up being like I think they what they were pick to finish first in the horizon is that right yeah and you know that will probably mean they'll finish second because Wright state owns them um (laughs) but so like we're we're in the our league is clearly not great i wanted to i mean i wanted to make a comment about how terrible the league has been already this year but then uc turns around and loses so now uc's part of it last night so they're part of the teams that have already (laughs) lost to terrible teams and like we're two weeks into the season, and three teams have are undefeated. Right. <laughs> like. Ouchie. <laughs> so I I don't I mean again four games does not make a season. I just uh, a lot of things from and not even last night. It's just kind of been like 
a cumulative effect of the last three games prior to – or I guess what was that? Two games. Cleveland State and, and Eastern Kentucky. Eastern, yeah. And then into last night. Like, as competency, as athletic ability, as coaching, as all those things, you know, became closer to being equal – we saw less and less of the ball movement and player movement, less and less of the ball sticking, less and less of being able to rebound, less and less of not giving straight line drives to the same guy over and over again to start. Like we're just seeing it much closer now. And we were just more talented or shot the ball better, whatever the case may be with like the EKU and the Cleveland state game. But like, and well, you, I I will say this, Dave. It doesn't matter who they play. If Davenport, Nolly, well, yeah, and DeJulius play like they did last night, they're not I beating anybody. They can beat. Right. I mean, if you're three, if your ABC scores go like what, like a combined seven nine, for 20 something, nine for 33? Nine for 33. Nine for 33. Yeah, of course. Of course not. Of course not. But then, like. <laughs> That right there is an issue that, like, one of those guys isn't capable of being, like, okay, getting themselves out of it, getting into stuff that well, can can help the other two, can help someone else get loose, can can draw some fouls, get some – like, where was that last night? Where like, – no, you can't no. make a fucking basket for n- almost an entire half and you can't get to the free throw line either? For the game – how many free throws do you think combined between DeJulius, Nolly, and uh, and Davenport? I have no idea. Take Three, a guess. Five. Two. Two. And they were late in the game. Davenport, I think Davenport got to the line well, like, almost near the end of the game. As you're playing better defense in the second half and keeping this thing from just being an absolute blowout. Oh, it could have got. Where, where are you in generating things like that? Where are you in trying to get fouls on their bigs, just getting to the bonus, not even like getting shooting fouls for those three guys, but like stopping the clock, accumulating fouls, getting to the line, allowing you to set up your press, like making making them use the whole shot clock, like all of those. Where was that? Nolly was playing backwards. Like he is playing to the mid-range right now. What, what? Play to the rim or shoot a three. Like it playing to a... He's you know, playing to the shot that has been totally phased out of like higher yeah. level basketball. And maybe it's a shot he's typically good at, but like you can't play to it. Like if it's there, you take it, but you don't set up your mid-range jumper. That's not how this is supposed to work. Like it, it, Yeah, let's, he, let's I mean, let's be honest. He hasn't he hasn't been good on offense in any of the three division one games. Let's hunt a shot that we're gonna hit at like 40%. Right, and then you only get two points for right. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I didn't see any. So you're you're the eyes, like, but like that it, that screams to me, like, okay, we can't make a basket. Sometimes you can't make a basket. It it happens. But like, where are we? Where were we in trying to generate things that can either get other guys going, get easy looks, get some fast break points, get to the well, free throw line, stuff like what that. Is, like, what does that tell you, Dave? I mean. Tells you they're not very good at point guard. No, could be a problem. I mean, do you have to move Dave back there? 
that that takes us to the other issue that I don't think is getting enough conversation. The loss of John Newman is more important than we realized. Because he was your toughness. Uh, I talked about this a little bit last night, a little bit on, on Mo today, so I don't want to like, like harp on it. But he was the energy. Like he was the guy that naturally, if you go a little bit flat, his energy lifts you up, right? He, he's That's his position on this team. And if you work through that all the way through the offseason and all the way up to game one, and then it's gone, figuring out who do you – I don't know that they have anybody. Is I, I think my main concern – and John's going to be out a while. Like, yeah, this like, isn't – we're thinking he's going to be back, huh? It's like February. Late January, February, mid-February. Like, if he comes back – this team is going to be who it is at that like at that point. This isn't he'll be back for the start of conference play, or you know, we look forward to seeing him in a couple weeks. Like uh, he'll be back by Christmas or whatever. It's going to be longer than that. And I don't know where that. I mean, the only other guy that I think has that kind of infectious energy is Odie, and I don't think you can have him on the court for more than. 10, 12 minutes a game. Yeah. So where where are they going to manufacture that? And that gets back to moving to Julius to point. I, I think that was a very real option when when you could go two out of three of Landers, JD, and Newman on the that, you know, that two, three, four spot. Um, right. and then you could gradually work in. Hensley, Skillings, Reed. You know what I mean? Like you could Micah maybe a little bit at the two where you play two point guards or Rob play two point guards a little bit. Um, but I don't know right now that you are really comfortable in a position where Dave is at the one. Are you? I mean, I, I, I maybe you have to try it, but... I just don't think, you know, I, I think that was a different, much different equation when your three, you know, your three guys in those spots primarily were Newman, Nolly, and Davenport. And now with one of those out, the math is a lot different unless you really feel that, that Dan is ready for 20 minutes a game, 25 minutes a game. I don't know that that's the case. Um, I had Mo ask me today that I think maybe we should have seen some more of Josh after he came in and, you know, gets an offensive rebound and and gets a put back and a foul and then hits a three uh, in the first little bit he was on the floor. And then we didn't really see him in the second half. Um, maybe he could have given you an offensive spark, but um, I, I just think now moving Dave to the one is a little bit tougher of a decision when I thought it was an easy decision when you were talking about having those three that could play alongside him. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, just I don't either. That, I'm just answer trying to I, answer the question. Best I don't, I just know that whatever they tried to do last night didn't work. And it goes to me, it goes far beyond just not being able to throw the ball in the basket in the second half. There was, just, I agree with you. There was just a, 
again, I didn't see a lot of it, so you can clearly tell me if I'm wrong, but it just seemed like, you know, with these type of guys and, and the athletic ability and, and how do you not just get up and down a little bit more and try to, well, it's really hard to press when you don't make a bat when when you're not no, making. I know. Any... I mean, I I understand that part for sure, but just like it, just you know, there has to be a way to try to 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 generate something that might get something going. Um, but like you said, those guys took two foul shots and they were at the end of a game, so they're clearly not being aggressive even against a, a tough zone to do that against. But NKU wasn't really sh- making a bunch in the second half either, so you. You, no, they only scored 28 second half you points. You probably could have gotten up and down the floor a little bit more and, and kept them from getting getting set and, and, and getting into what they are trying to do. I I mean, I just don't know where the opportunities to get up and down the floor come from when NKU was by design. Like, that's the one thing that Cincinnati's done really well so far this season is play in transition. So NKU was ready to get back. And when you can't set up the press and a lot of that, like, you know how that is, Dave, a lot of that is kind of momentum based, you know, you get a steal and a layup and all of a sudden now you're playing into their face. You're playing it, you know, they're playing uphill, you're playing downhill. And if you don't make any shot, like that's what really kind of at the, that middle part of the first half, they were able to play a little bit downhill and get NKU out of sorts. And um, they were doing a really good job the second part of the first half. And NKU started four or five in that first segment and a half on threes, that first two segments on threes. And then they didn't make another one the rest of the half. So UC made some adjustments. They were able to start playing, um, you know, running out and, and chasing down the three-point line a little bit better. And then they were starting to play downhill a little bit. And then that in the second half just went entirely away and i'm not gonna i went into a long detailed explanation of why they failed against the 25 um last night on the 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 nightcap if you're interested in that you can go find it i'm not gonna bore you with another eight minutes of that again but if you're a masochist go go ahead and listen go listen to that but ultimately what it comes down to is the 25 wants to have as many guys in the paint as possible and they let you into the paint and then constrict on you. And Cincinnati just got into the paint, let them constrict, and either turned it over or got their shit swatted off, you know, from here to kingdom come. Seven blocks in the second half, nine turnovers in the second half. Yeah, like, it seems like the little bit that I saw, they would, like, get it, you know, inside the circle, inside the paint, and then immediately, like – turn around and like outlet it back out towards half court. Well, that's what the, the, so that's what you're kind of supposed to do against the 25 is you drop well, but they only did one part of it. Let me, let me, let me finish. You drive in, you get it to do this, you kick out and then you make them chase by making extra passes. Reverse it and drive in from the other side, not just or you reverse make the extra pass. How many times did we see teams drive the middle on mixed teams, kick out, pass, extra pass, wide open three? Corners. He, corner corners. threes all day. How many corner threes did they take in the second half yesterday? Zero? 
I mean, I know you weren't watching a ton. I'm gonna, um, guess, I'm gonna guess zero. I don't I don't remember any. If there was, maybe Nolly took one or maybe JD took one. But the ball movement was just it did was it flat. go in? No. <laughs> no. They Dave, I, I, I know. They scored eleven points. It was a joke. I know. In a know. half. In a half. How hard is that to do, Dave? They were up by four going into halftime. They held the opponent to 28 points and lost, they got blown out. Lost by 13. They got blown out. Yeah. The math yeah. on that is imp- like it doesn't make any damn sense. No. And Natalie is right. Natalie says you just you're supposed to put your thing down, flip it and reverse it. Yeah. And they just didn't do that. Um back up here Lambig. I I don't know. I didn't sense any of that. Um Wes had a tough time expressing his feelings about Reed. Um, I, I don't notice. I don't know of any tension there. Um, I think Josh did what was asked of him in his college debut. Scored five points in seven minutes. Now maybe there was you know a, a missed assignment or two on defense and that that limited his minutes a little bit. But um, I I don't think there was any issue with. With Wes and Josh, no. I think uh, I think that's rough that they don't have another game before Maui. I think that I think that hurts them. Uh, maybe it does. Maybe it maybe it puts that bad taste in their mouth for the next five days. Uh, yeah, I think that's like too long. Like I feel like you'd want to get back out there and get back on the horse. Yeah, kind of like yeah. Gets the bad taste in your mouth. We need they need some practice time, but you want to like get back out there, get yourself feeling good before you go uh play the number 14 ranked team in the country. I guess. I I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. They they wouldn't have been had anywhere to squeeze a game in. No, I know. I just you know, there was one like Saturday. They leave on Saturday. Yeah. Well, they leave Saturday. Oh, okay. They're gonna they, I know there's been games on aircraft carriers. I don't think they could have one on <laughs> a plane. Might have had better internet than NKU. <laughs> all those, all those jokes are, are only good if you win. I, I'm st- they're not as much jokes as they're like. Well, they're just, I mean, like when I like saw the, like I was sitting down and getting ready to watch the game, and I'm like, it feels like it's after seven. Why is the whole like commercial thing on ESPN? Plus, still like doing the loop thing, and I looked at the fine print, and it was like experiencing technical difficulties. So I was like, "Okay, I'll uh, I'll see if it's on the radio." So I put on on iHeart on my phone, and it's, it literally sounded like Dan and Terry were in a submarine. Well, you know what and, they were doing, right? And then Mo said they were doing it from a telephone, and I was like, "I need to see if they're literally passing the telephone back and forth, so each of them can talk." That's what exactly what they were doing. <laughs> a thousand percent. That's exactly what they were doing. Dan was talking into a phone, and then when he would be done, he would give it to Terry, and Terry would talk into it, <laughs> and then hand it back to Dan. It's like they were. It's like they were passing a blunt. No, oh, they. I'm sure they wish they were, instead of watching that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's exactly what was happening. Exactly oh, what was man. happening. Um. So I I don't have 
much else here. I, yeah, I, NKU, I, I, I agree. NKU dial-up internet jokes are still good, just not, they're not as good. I certainly all. don't have much since I didn't watch most of the second half. Yeah. Um, I let's first, uh, before we get moving, uh, I, I want everybody to know the holiday shopping season is back. Home field, remember our old friends at Home Field Apparel, Dave? I do. Their Black Friday sale starts tomorrow. Oh, buddy. Sale ends November 27th. 20% off with the entire off the entire site with the code Black Friday, homefieldapparel.com. It's the biggest discount home field offers all year. This is important. Items are subject to sellout. They reckon, excuse me, they recommend ordering as early as possible. So the warehouse and shipping carriers have plenty of time to get the shirts out for the holiday season. Perfect gifts for any sports fans in your life. Gift cards available as well. Um, look, this, do you have this, Dave? Did you get this? I don't have that. This is in the top three most comfortable things I own. It is by far the most comfortable hoodie I own. And Jeff Howell will, uh, will corroborate that detail. Aaron, do you have this one too? Yeah, I have that one too. It's really good. I mean, it is like, it's like a warm hug. It's got the it's little... Like a, it's like a smooth, smooth jumper on a Wednesday night. It's like, it's like uh, the, the Warwick kid in the first half last night scoring 18. Well, in the start of the second half. I mean, he just went to the basket whenever he wanted. He only ended up with 22. He only scored four points in the second half, I think. Well, they were the, then those were the four I saw. Because okay. they, the, <laughs> they were in the same set two times in a row. He went right to the basket, jump stop, and Vic couldn't block a shot, and he made two basically layups. Jeff agrees with me. It's an incredible hoodie. It is, well, it is by far anyone, my favorite Anyone listening is more than welcome to buy one for me. I will <laughs> let you know where to send it. Uh, uh, you know, I'm an XL. So, you know, please and thank you. Homefieldapparel.com, code Black Friday, the 18th through the 27th. Uh, it's their biggest sale of the year. Uh, the Cyber Monday sale is also the 28th through the 29th. The code there is Cyber Monday. We'll get to that as we get a little closer to Cyber Monday. But, uh, yeah, so go do that. There you go. There's the hoodie. I've got the great Midwest champion shirt. I got the baseball shirt. Um, they're great. I, ha I have the, uh, I think I have that, the 1962 championship shirt. It's I, all. I wish really they had, uh, my only gripe is I, I wish they had more, uh, black shirt offerings. The Bearcats baseball shirt is outstanding. Super comfy. I'm not much on crew necks. Can't really crew necks wear aren't that really my to thing. the uh, football games. You can. In the the crew neck is one. just the crew neck is just as soft as the hoodie. My problem with crew necks is I got a big fat neck, and they're like, eh, I, it, they don't work for me. That's a you problem. It is. Oh, it's yeah. totally a me problem. Uh, Jeff said he's uh, he's not sure if it's available in all white everything. But that would be a solid pickup as well. Ha. Uh, 
Remember when Aaron didn't get my alert coming on the all white unis for this week's game? Yeah, I I tried to warn Aaron about the the stormtroopers. I just said dun dun dun. What's there to warn about? Nothing. I was just trying to tell him without saying it. I you know I didn't want to ruin the reveal. Oh okay. When did you when did you do this? Tuesday. On the PTP. Uh, no, on the the nightcap. Oh, okay. I'm just a dumb dumb. I'm not. I'm it's always. Fine. I'm usually asleep when you do the nightcap, and if I really wanted to know what know anything, I just call you. So, uh, Jason K <laughs> says he's wearing the crew neck right now, and it's tremendously soft and comfortable. There you go. That's like a, a five minute. I'm actually wearing a, a home field Tennessee shirt right now. There you go. See. Big home field crew here at the uh, the BCJ podcast. 1998 oh. national champs. And you know what else is like 1998? Jeff says, and what a reveal it was on the uniforms. It is. Je- Jeff Jeff is uh, internet famous now. He's something. He's definitely something. Uh, but I, what I said to Aaron last night is, I said, Aaron, I don't know if after losing Collier and losing to NKU, if the fan base is mentally on on a a mentally stable enough ground to get the Stormtrooper reveal dumped on them tomorrow. I mean, you know, they've lost like twice as many games wearing black helmets as they have wearing white helmets over this time period. So whatever. whatever. I, I, (laughs) I think the Stormtroopers are sharp. It's awesome. I love the all white. They're awesome. Crisp. Now Crisp. I don't know if they'll look great in that crummy Philly weather on you know getting all dirty on the grass field. Is it supposed to snow there? I thought uh, it was I, said, I don't I know. I thought it was supposed to be nice. My I'm sure. Well, <laughs> how nice. 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 <laughs> 40 and cloudy is what yeah. I mean by night. Like for Philly, that is like a nice every every game when we play them there. Yeah. Um I I don't I don't think it's going to be a snow game. No, I don't think so either. Uh, let's let's real quick and and again, thanks to Homefield, and we will uh, we'll be promoting that here for the next couple of weeks as we get through uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So, um, I'm going to give you the floor and just let you talk about how much you fun you've had with the ECU. Oh, uh, buddy! Ridiculousness. It has been enjoyable. You know, I've had a little back and forth Twitter banter with a few folks. The Boneyard uh, guys, I tweeted at them once. They deleted the tweet and really didn't say anything any, anything again. They deleted two of the tweets when when they came at me. Like I didn't, I don't, I didn't mention them or anything. I didn't mention anyone in particular. Um, they they showed up on on the Bearcat Journal account, and so I. The, the, the thing that I enjoy doing the most is is giving someone or their program or whatever a, a, a true heartfelt compliment and then mm-hmm. backdooring that with like a tremendous dig because they made a comment of, of in something about, you know, UC's attendance and 38,000 people and blah, you know, whatever. And, uh, and I said something to the effect of, 
You guys have a wonderful, passionate, loyal fan base. And it's just a shame that the team can't hold up their, their end of the deal. <laughs> and and they did not like that. That was one that they uh, that they deleted. I guess it was very funny that Jason Kelsey, perfect timing, put out a, put out a comment after the Eagles lost about to, blaming the refs. Yeah, the you know talking about how that's losers do that, and and it, and it is that's what losers do. Like winners move on to the next game. Losers come up with excuses for why they lost. And Cincinnati football program is a bunch of winners, and East Carolina's is a bunch of losers. And I feel pretty confident in saying that, given that over the last 20 seasons, the East Carolina Pirates have only had one season where they lost fewer than five games. Yep. So you can talk to me all you want about the refs, and uh, Brian dirty Thr- program, dirty program. Brian Thrust. I listen, so they have like a, a they call it the fifth quarter or whatever a call, like a post game type call in show. And I listened to that the other day, like several days after the fact. Uh, Monica called in, and and not only did she, is she the one that wanted Steve and I go fired? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think that was a guy I think that wanted I go fire because he didn't ask the hard questions either. Um, That's the dumbest shit fans do. I'm sorry. She she went so far as to say something to the effect of like, uh, I I can't even remember how she put it, but it was it was even more conspiratory in the spect in the respect of like, not only did you see try to. It was like a conscious effort to take Keaton Mitchell out of the game, and and I'm I'm sitting there going like the the safety ran like 37 yards. It was 37 yards. That was the like that's and the he, and as the play is unfolding, he's thinking to himself, "Here's my opportunity to to literally take the there head, is not knowing how he would react from the hit. Here is my opportunity." to take their best player out of the game. Dave, there is a 0.0% chance he knew who that was. Yeah. 0.0%. Wide receiver, tight end, running back. He was 37 yards away. And it's like it was it was uh that there's obviously there should be an investigation Yes, that, uh, that they should be, he should be suspended for the rest of the season and maybe not allow. I think I think she might have gone as far never as play to, football like, again. never play football again. Um, for a shoulder to shoulder hit that the helmets accidentally contacted. I, I just like you know I I know we don't lose often, so the times that we have to come on here and talk about a loss are few and far between. Did but, we mention the refs at all in that UCF game? I mean, I'm sure we talk about a specific call, like in a in a dialogue right. of discussing an entire game. Like, I'm sure we talk that about was a an call. important call. Right. We talk right. about right. a call. We talk maybe we disagree with the call. You know, like the whole debacle at, at SMU where they're getting 
penalties left and right and how, right. you know, yes, we talk about them. But to the extent of, like, the, the refs cost them se- – I've, I've seen 17 points. I've seen, like, just an automatic assumption that if a thing is called, then then that the resulting plays are not going to equal a touchdown or a field goal or something. That's the one that always cracks me up is, like, if that wasn't called, then we, like, no, they still could have done something. Like, you know how many times we've talked about the Lorenz Mets penalty that it was in plus territory on a swing pass on first and 10 that Corey Kiner gained nine yards, like, inside their 45-yard line, second and one, turns into first and 25. And, you know, what if they score a touchdown? Mets fell down. He fell down. He's and, a he's a giant of a human. He but fell I don't. Down. But we don't have any reason to talk about that because they won the game, right? And so it's it's just a, you know and and I think it all started with Mike Houston and Holton Naylor's because that sure. really kind of gives you gives fans the green light to be like shit. If the coach thinks that, then that must right. be true because I believe everything that my coach says. And like just for him to come out and like you can say like. Yeah, that was you know that was borderline, and I think that was a bit much. And but like to take it to the extent uh, that he took it right after the game, and I'm sure you're caught up in in the game and whatnot. But I just like I've never seen anything. I don't. Maybe I'm being naive and and being spur of the moment, but it just felt like it was very much a reaction to we've been building for this and. And we're gonna lose five games again. And we had the chance to to get them, and now and we couldn't do it. And it was close, and there were some things that went against us. So instead of looking inner, inner, inter, inner, whatever it is, and saying like, I mean, yes, they were crushing their special teams, and rightfully so. Whoa. But like, you didn't lose the game. The like, how many? Like, I wanted to look this up, and I never did. Um, like, I want to know how many drives... I'm in on this, have... Dave. Hold on one second. What? I'm in on this. Oh. Might we get a sponsorship for the <laughs> Dave Simone backhanded compliment of the week? Because I'm here for it. I'm enjoying it. That would be something Dave could just do very naturally. So if anybody wants to sponsor the Dave Simone backhanded compliment of the week, my DMs are open. Okay, go ahead. I, I, I meant to look this up for this podcast specifically. But, like, when they talk like that, they make it sound like these plays happened like all in a row at the end of a game. Like how many drives did you guys have after the, the supposed block in the back on Trey Tucker's touchdown to, to rectify it, to go score. Right. Like, you had plenty of opportunities for that call to not matter. That was in the second quarter. And that's the, that's the part that always cracks me up about bitching about the officials. It's like you have, plenty of chances, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, to make a bad call irrelevant. Right. And you couldn't do it. I mean, UC's been terrible on third down, and they went five for 17. Like, I think I heard one person in all the things that I've listened to bring that up for maybe one minute. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, UC was giving up what, like 40, 42%, 43% of their, of their third downs? 
uh, a, a better than a good defense should get a, a higher percentage than a good defense should allow. They were giving up. Uh, Tonk, thank you. $10 for Dave's backhanded compliment of the week. <laughs> uh, and the headaches, headaches I give Chad. You're going to have to send a lot more than $10, Tonk. <laughs> for that, yeah. $10 for that. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it is. It's it's a complete loser mentality. You, you go in front of the mic and you say, you know what? We didn't make enough plays. We had a chance to win the game. All we needed was a field goal, even though our field goal kicker is atrocious. All we needed is a field goal. Um, go down the field, get the field goal. You know, have our 14-year quarterback lead us into scoring position, and we didn't do it. It's not that hard. It's not like them scoring in that situation on those last two drives was easier than going to Lubbock and back. <laughs> That's hard. That's that, hard. Is, that is hard. Get Moving hard the ball to... on this Cincinnati defense into field goal range, not not easy, but it's easier I mean, than I, a trip to Lubbock. And I, you know, I give I give them. A lot of credit. They did make a lot of good plays. And yeah, if Keaton Mitchell doesn't get hurt, is that game I, different? It might be because he was kicking ass in the second half. I mean, I, I said it during the game. That was the biggest play of the game. For sure. But that's football, man. Like, yeah. You, you don't, you can't go from, from that and just automatically just go, that was intentional. They were trying to take him out of the game. I mean, I heard, I was, I was in the other end zone all the way down, like on the opposite side. But when the ball was in the air, I heard Coach Fix screaming, Code Red! Code Red! Oh, yeah. And the, the other thing that they were all upset about was that they showed – he showed no remorse that he that he hit him and he was down. Like that he got up and gave high five, didn't like look over at him and gave high five. he prevented the, 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 the go-ahead <laughs> touchdown. I'm like – I'm like – this isn't like war. This isn't a battlefield. Like you don't know, like. Like what do you want him to do? Kneel like kneel down and, and give him CPR. Make sure he's still alive. Like he went back to his sideline and his teammates dapped him up because it was a hard hit. They weren't dapping him up because he he might have took taken him out of the game. Like it's just. It's it's they, a they were dapping him up because he made a great play from 37 yards away. It's a here, it's a mindset of a program that's never played in a game that matters. It's fair. It's fair. Like when's the last time they played? Was, was Jeff Blake there the last time they played the game tonight? They went 10 and 3 with Ruffin McNeil yeah. 20, 2014, I think. I vaguely remember that. But, like, I mean, just so many excuses, so much crying, so much whining. Like, I'm, I'm done. Like, so done. It, it, it's another of those teams that I'm just glad never have to see again. Yeah. <laughs> With the dirty hit out of the Cincinnati out of the way, maybe Holton Aylers wins an AAC championship in the next two or three years. 
Natalie is on. Natalie's on a heater tonight. He's, he's well. I mean, they better hope he's got another year of eligibility left. I yeah. They they built it all up for this year, and now they're gonna you know eight and four at best. Got to beat Houston at home. That that is a great video, Tonk. Go Bearcats! I saw it right before we started. Uh, released a video of Sauce and Dez and their reaction to the Jaden Thompson hundred yard return. Uh, they were down in the in the notch by the student section because they were getting like shortly after that they did the big you know welcome home uh Daz and sauce video and uh they showed their reaction it was really good um uh, were you upset that joel wasn't included in that video poor joel <laughs> joel's back joel was there yeah did you get a chance to watch any of monday night i listened to a good chunk he's so that was so good it was so funny oh yeah if you didn't get a chance to see Monday's show, go back and watch the BVP on Monday. DeBlanco and Royer together was uh it was something. It was something. I did I did want to bring up something interesting that they both talked about or they both said. And I don't I Okay, don't go right think, ahead. I don't think this was like placating to a friend either. When you guys did MVPs. Offensive, defensive, I don't even remember if you did special teams MVPs. But they both, you did like top three offensive and defensive. They both said Ben Bryant. And I thought that was interesting because I, I, I wonder if that gives, a, if a player's perspective is, is just much different than a fan's in the sense of like, those guys know what it takes to be a quarterback the good, the bad, the responsibility, what it takes to be a quarterback in a program like you see with the expectations that, that is placed upon them. And it was just interesting to me because like if I was giving my top three, I you know, I don't I don't think you or Aaron or Brent had him in your in your top three MVPs, and I I probably wouldn't have either. I had him in mine. You did? Okay. So yeah. it would have been third or fourth right there. Like right on the cusp. I just brought up the point that he was basically on record on on pace to beat right. Gino's yeah. records. Okay, I remember that, and and I I agree. I you know, but I just thought that was interesting that that they like didn't even like didn't even flinch. Didn't like it was an easy answer for them, and and I just wonder if that has a lot to do with being a, a former player. Um, I did just see, and I'm trying to find it again. I did just see a tweet. Here we go. NFL. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. NFL leaders by college. When I saw it, I thought it was like college leaders, uh, and the NFL leaders by college in receiving touchdowns is Cincinnati. Does that surprise you? Wait, what now? The NFL leaders by college, like passing yards, Texas Tech, time sacked, Ohio State, rushing touchdowns, Georgia, uh, receiving yardage TDs, NFL leaders by college, Cincinnati and Fresno State. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah. But I thought that was kind of, I was like, damn, Cincinnati leads the nation in receiving TDs? That doesn't seem right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it took me aback momentarily. Uh, and Jeff Jeff does point out Ben Bryant was his first half MVP. He was. He was. I, I mean, I don't know how it couldn't be Tyler Scott, but I guess maybe he did. If you're just doing first half uh, by week, he did miss two games. So, yeah. Maybe that was Jeff's reasoning. No, uh, no, but uh, no. I thought I thought, uh, I thought those those guys were good. Joel was good. It was enter- entertaining. Do you yeah. agree with me that it appeared if you go back to Joel's like uh, interviews and his time on campus, it appeared that the day that the Cotton Bowl ended, they took the programming chip out of him and his personality returned. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that's not the guy we interviewed when uh, they put him on the podium. That was, I don't, yeah, but I think the uh, the settings are are slightly different. Of course, of course, slightly of course. different. Um, but those two were those two were awesome together. Um, I don't, I, I mean, the game itself. I, I think here's what I think is the most frustrating thing with this team, Dave. Feels like every week they are one drive, one play sometimes, one bounce from blowing a game open. Well, yeah, I mean, look at last last week, you're up 21, 21 20, five, yeah. and there's no reason. I mean, they had not moved the ball at all. Right. They got a safety, and then they got a – they moved it on their field goal drive, but it was still a 47-yard field goal. So it wasn't yeah. that um, – and kudos to Ryan Cohen, the kickoff. They started that drive – at their own 23 after he kicked yeah. off from the 20. So that was pretty, pretty outstanding. Well, stuff. that was that you talk about bad special teams. That was dumb as shit to grab that ball. That yeah. ball was going out of bounds. And yeah. I believe on the free kick, if it goes out of bounds, you get it at like the 40 or the 45. I don't, I don't know that rule specifically. Well, it's a, it's a spot from like, it's a spot thing. Yeah. So on kickoffs, you get it at the 35. On the free kick, it moves back 10 yards or 15 yards. It moves or back 15. It is. So it's probably at the 40. Yeah. Yeah. Like you get it in phenomenal field position if that ball goes out of bounds and the guy grabs it and just starts running sideways. Yeah. But like they done nothing. And then a 72 yard touchdown pass. So you're just like, Jesus, all you could do is get one stop. And, and yes, there's no, no sure thing that we would have scored. Um, but that was. Fairly close to the end of the half. If you get the stop there, you know, you would think at worst you're going into the locker room 21-5. They get the ball. Like, instead it's 21-12. They get the ball. They score again. It's 20, 21-19 or 24. And then it's like, well, here we go again. Another, you know, one possession type game. So, yeah, I mean, it's happened Almost every time. week, they're they're up two and a half, three scores. And you know, SMU, they just kick, kick a bunch of field goals in the game. They should have been up. A ton, uh, you know. Tulsa could never get that, you know, one touchdown to push it to seventeen. Yeah, it was just, uh, it's just their mo, and that, you know, I don't. To or Temple is not good. Uh, what they've done offensively. Well, no, it's a mirage, though. Sure, uh, but they're not like, terrible. They're they're pretty bad still. Yes. Um, their defense, we'll get to it. Their defense is. 
their defense is, is odd <laughs> to say the least when you when you break it down but but yeah I mean that's just what this this year is and and then Justin had asked coach fickle uh does this remind you of any other season? He was very quick to be like, no, this definitely does not remind me of any other season. Uh, but, it, you know, and Justin wrote a, 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 you know, a good article, as he does, kind of comparing to 2018-ish, 2019, and, and a, lot of, a lot of similarities. But, you know, this team knows how to win. And that is, you know, mainly because of 2020 and 2021, where – in 2018 and 2019, they were learning how to win. This team will do incredibly frustrating things and will make you think that they are, you know, going to give up the ship, so to speak. And then they still figure out, like, what? Last week, after that fourth down play that Holt Naylor somehow completes, I'm sure a lot of people were like, oh, there we Like, he's going to get – they're going to get the field goal range now. Like, that was the chance. And they're going to get this – Guy's going to make a field goal, and, and we're going to lose by one. And, you know, they figured out how to make a play. So they've been uh, very resilient in that regard, and you just hope that, you know, we've talked about it. Jeff and I talked about it Sunday morning. Like, it's the middle of November. We're not seeing, like, wholesale scheme changes. Right. You just hope that the areas that they've been inconsistent, they can become a little – more consistent consistent, and you just hope that you know like just taking red zone for instance like they're one of the best teams in the red zone in converting and one of the worst teams in converting touchdowns so like if you go into the red zone a couple times this week and you convert touchdowns instead of field goals that changes so much about the game so much about the game so any game, obviously, like if you're just giving away four points every time because you can't get it in the end zone, then you're going to, that's going to allow teams to stick around. That's how you end up in the 21 to 27 point range instead of in the 31 to 35 point range. And this team has far too often been in the twenties for as much talent as there is on offense. They need to spend less time in the twenties and more time in the thirties. 40s, Dave. That's right. Sheesh. Goodness. All right, let's let's take a look at Temple. Yay. Last time. Final what, final what you, okay. look at Temple. Offense. You, Start with off, their offense. Offense. Uh freshman quarterback, EJ Warner. Kurt Warner's kid. Looks like he's about 13. Uh has thrown the ball. Uh, Do you know which of Kurt Warner's kids this is? Doesn't Kurt have like, like uh, an offense, like a whole offense of kids? I don't think so. For some reason, I feel like Kurt Warner's got a gang of kids. I mean, maybe. Like not, not Nick Cannon number of kids. Seven. He's got seven. No, oh, he had yeah. some. Bef- he had some prior to this uh, marriage, and but yeah. he's got set children. Seven. Yeah, that's that's a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a healthy. If you have more kids than Luke Fickle, you got a lot of kids. It's a big number, but uh, but no, he's he's been pretty good. I mean, I think he's been probably a lot better than they maybe anticipated, and what most freshmen would be. But he's 
58%, which, you know, we know what that means going against this defense. Yeah. Uh, that, Natalie, uh, I knew Phillip Rivers had a bunch. I thought Kurt Warner had one or two more. Maybe it was because I was thinking or knowing that he had a couple from a previous relationship that made the number a little higher in my head. Uh, but seven is still still a lot of kids. Okay, sorry. My no, you're, you're Continue. Uh, but still, 58%. We know what that, that typically means. 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions. The wild number is... He's only been sacked seven times. So their offensive line in a pass protection standpoint has been awesome because he threw it 59 times last week. The fewest number of throws he's had in the last five games is 36. And he's been in the like mid to upper forties. I want to say three or three times also. Mm-hmm. So to, to drop back that often and only give up, five sacks total in their last five games is really impressive. <clears throat> and I think part of that is, I think it's a lot of quick stuff. Their highest receiver yards per catch is only 13 yards. So like in comparison, Tyler Scott's is almost 17. It's a lot of short stuff. Yeah. So it seems like it's a lot, but I mean, last week he threw for almost 500 against Houston on 59 throws, no no sacks, no interceptions. Like, they're going to throw it. And so we'll see how that does against this defense, how that does. This will probably be their first real cold game because last week they were at Houston. Um, The week before they beat South Florida, I I don't know if it was in Philly or in South Florida, but – um, but they are a throw team. They, the running back Edward uh, Sadie has five seventy five on the season, which which seems all right. Two sixty five of that was in one game against South Florida. So you know right. they they averaged one point eight yards per carry against Houston. They they just they really don't run the ball very much at all. I mean, if you're throwing the ball 59 times, if you're throwing the ball in the 40s on a consistent basis, like that means you're only really running it 20 to 30 times total in a typical college game, say 70 snaps. If you're throwing it almost 50, then where are you running the ball? So they're not really running it that much. Um, Jose Barbone, leading receiver, 54. 727 and two touchdowns. Um, Amadi Anderson, three touchdowns leads the, leads the offense. But even with like the, the big game against South Florida and the game last week, they're not efficient offensively. Like their offensive efficiency in the, in the FEI in the, in the one site that I go to is 116th in the country. So on the grand scheme of things, they've been better the last two weeks, but it's still not an efficient offense. Their three wins are Lafayette, UMass, and, and USF. Not great. No. Um, like Sagarin ranking, Sagarin ranks division what they call A and AA, which is FBF and FCS. And they're 125th with 14 
FCS schools ahead of them in Sagarin ranking. So, I mean, offensively, like, they're going to probably complete some stuff. It's a matter of, of third down. Their offense is 114th in third down. So, like I said, this leads to their inefficiencies. Like, they have ability. It's a lot of short. It's a lot of shorter stuff. It's a lot of get the ball quick. Um, probably has to be that way with a younger quarterback. I think he's been a really good decision maker. You know, obviously, you know, nine interceptions for a young guy to have a plus a plus touchdown interception ratio as a true freshman on a team that doesn't have a lot of like playmakers and a defense that's not very good is is pretty good. Like he can make plays. They'll they have the ability to make plays. But it's the stuff we've always talked about, the sustaining drives, the right. the not you know, if they don't make a bunch of big plays or there's a bunch of busted coverages, it's it's tough to see them doing this on on a good defense. Like they really struggled with Navy's defense, gave up four sacks in that game. Navy's defense is is pretty good, shows you some different looks. You sees is, is still much better than Navy's and, and will show them things that they probably haven't seen much of. Um Unleash the beast. Let Ivan go back after the quarterback. Yeah, I mean that's that's something like defensively we've seen it. We've definitely seen a tailing off of tackles for loss, of sacks, of just of just pressures in general. Everybody's you know going quick, 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 quick. You quick, know quick. they're going to throw it. So you either like try to bring pressure because you know it's coming out quick. So you may as well bring pressure, or you try to jump in in spaces because you know it's coming out quick and there's only so many there's only so many routes you can do if you're if you're trying to you know run quick game you know it's funny to me no like if you're if you're you know cruising along at like eighth in the country in sacks or tackles for loss or havoc or whatever it, it doesn't become much of a thing and teams don't treat you differently but the minute you're splashed all over the internet is, or, you know, all over the nation is like, this is the number one sack team in the country, the number one tackle for loss team in the country. Then all of a sudden everybody's offense is like, uh, well, guess we can't sit that quarterback back there for three and a half seconds. Like snap the ball, throw it, snap the ball, throw it, snap the ball, throw it. Yep. It's human nature. Like I'm not saying anything profound here. No, I just think it's interesting that like when you get to that level, then all of a sudden everybody, nobody had changed what they were doing the first six weeks of the season. But as soon as after week six, they had, you know, the number one, this, the number one, that, then all of a sudden there's nobody in the pocket for more than two seconds. No. Ball is out, boy. Quick. Uh, Okay. Temple defense. Are there is there their offensive line? Are they, they do they not run block? Like what are like they're pretty they're obviously pretty good pass protection as you yeah. Know. I mean if you're if you're dropping back that much and you're only giving up nine sacks on the season, like you, that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah, to be to be having that many attempts and and not really scaring anybody with your run game. To, to only do that. Game, a lack of talented backs is the run game. Lack no, of- I mean, their back is good. Like, he had a 265-yard game against USF. Like, he's got ability. But, like, 
Houston's defense has been dog baby this year, and they held them to under two yards a carry. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's because they threw for. I just, well, I think that's what they have to do. Yards. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> think if they ran the ball, um, more times, I don't think that's equaling more, you know, more efficient running game. Yeah. Defensively, like okay, so. If we can't get the run game going this week, you may as well just not run the ball anymore. Right, just give it up. Here's now I'm not <laughs> I'm not counting Navy because that's all Navy does. So any numbers they had doesn't mean anything. Last three games. Tulsa, 299 on the ground, 6.5 a carry, Daneric Prince, 20 carries for 231. USF, 281 on the ground, 6.5 yards a carry. Brian Petit, 19 for 129. Houston, 196 on the ground, 7.5 yards a carry. Stacy Sneed, 11 for 143. If we can't run the ball this week, I don't want to hear about they showed us something that we hadn't seen before. <laughs> or Because that's three opponents, three somewhat similar yet different offenses to what UC does, that just ran the ball whenever, wherever they wanted. So if we can't run the ball, I I don't know what to tell you at this point. Right. Uh, they're just as bad as the pass defense too, right? Well, yeah, not great. And I think this, like, they're top 10 in sacks, 32, top five in tackles for loss, because I think they just look at it as like, we've got a pressure out of our minds to try to get to stop teams because they're certainly not stopping it lately against the run. And, you know, they're 102nd in opponent passer rating allowed. Uh, they're 64th in yards per attempt allowed. They're 70th overall in yards per play allowed. 101st in yards per carry allowed, 4.55. So, like, the past de- six interceptions. So not. I think the pass defense is <clears throat> is helped out by the sacks. And six interceptions isn't great. It's not terrible, but like they're they're they. I feel like again haven't watched a ton of Temple football this year, but those numbers tell me that they're just like selling out to try to force second and fourteen, force sacks, force turnovers because they know. Like, if you stay in anything relatable to a normal down and distance, they're going to have a tough time. Their defense is pretty good on third down, 38th. Um, they're middle of the road offensively and def- a little bit better than middle of the road offensively and defensively in the red zone. But, I mean, <laughs> we better be able to run the damn ball. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's that's point number one for I mean me run see. the ball hit the quick stuff again because if they are going to be super aggressive we're going to need to hit the quick stuff get you know Tyler Scott Trey Tucker Jane Thompson in space the longer stuff probably is going to be harder to develop because you know we've we haven't been the best at uh stopping pressure and they've been a good pressure team so far so a true old school run, establish the run game, game. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, if, we'll see if that actually happens. 
Special teams? Are they worth a shit on special teams? Uh, they it seems like they made a kicker change early in the year, and the the new guys has been good. I think he's ten for twelve or eleven for twelve, something like that. Um, but I mean, you see, special teams is now you know going by SP plus. <coughs> Defense is nineteenth. Special teams is twenty second. Their special teams is seventy second. I don't know how you compute special teams and something like that. Um, so, seventy second to me tells me that it's like just it's fine. It's it's certainly not good, but it's not like holy shit, this is going to cost us the game if it's close type of situation. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna say, Dave. What are you gonna say? I, I don't I don't know how I can trust. S&P plus special teams if UC's 22nd. How are there 21 other better special teams than UC? I don't know. That's why I'm saying I don't know what goes into it. I don't know if it's... I mean, I'll give it to Notre Dame. Mace, Mace has got seven p- block punts on the year. He's he's the punt block whisperer. Brian Mason. As as Royer said, he got him a make a wish block punt last year. <laughs> he can get any. I think he could maybe. I think Mace could get you a block punt, Dave. No, no chance. I think he could. I'm I'm way too slow, way too small. No chance. Have you seen Royer? He's mu- I mean, he's more athletic than you, much but smaller than Royer. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, 22nd seems... Well, Notre, Notre Dame and SP Plus special teams is 41st. Because their only thing they really do on special teams is block punts. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no... Like, Western Kentucky is second. South Carolina's third. Like, I, I have no clue what that how that happens. <laughs> no idea what the equation is for that. No, it's the, the Monday podcast is the Gunner podcast. Uh, we are a pro gunner network, but yeah, I, I do. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to get with Brett to get a breakdown of the other 21 teams who have better gunners, uh, than you see. And that's even with, you know, there's been a, like, uh, I think Drew Donnelly has stepped up as an elite gunner as well. Now that you've had, you know, Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker not being like the own, like the primary two. Right. Um, Drew Donnelly has become an elite gunner also. So, yeah. What's your score prediction, David? Uh, I <laughs> I was asked to uh, to write and answer some questions for our, our Temple site on uh, 24-7. And Did you have him any answer any in return or no? You didn't no, do that this time. Sorry. I did not. Brent's sick, so I don't know that we're gonna have a uh a temple preview. No, oh, that's disappointing. I know he hit he hit me up with uh a text this morning and said he had a fever. And could I call you, Carrie, me, and Aaron and have us cover for him? And I was like, <laughs> Dave's working, then he has to go get his kid, and we have to do a podcast. Uh, I've got Kelly's, you know, it's Thursday, so this is cancer day. Aaron's got a baby. 
I don't talk to Carrie like that. Like I <laughs> No, Brent is actually sick, Tonk. This time he's actually sick. But I just I don't I so if anybody wants to write the temple preview, just uh send send it to me. <laughs> I'll post it tonight <laughs> under BCJ staff. Uh, just transcribe what Dave had to say in this podcast, send it to me, and then I'll publish it. Um, score anyway, score prediction. Uh, I think I said 3424. 3424. I like, I just, I don't, I'm kind of to the point like, I don't really care how. The, bad the opponent is like show me you can blow somebody out especially on the road in a place that's going to be literally family and friends um and this team just plays close games especially in conference play and until they don't it's kind of the same thing i say about like until they lose at home i'm not gonna think they're gonna lose at home steven says that i can type up 200 words for you um in order to cover for a Brent preview, you're going to have to add another 2,500 words. <laughs> 2,500 words. I, I see. Uh, who's Tulane even playing tonight? SMU. SMU's doing oh, yeah, SMU right. things. But now I just think like it's going to probably be another one of those games. Yeah, I, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> well, of course not. But but yeah. I hope this is I hope this is uh when we start to see that like we want to be playing our best <laughs> at the end of the year. Yeah. Well, we're we're basically there. <laughs> yeah, we're there. We have reached the end of the year. So can we start can we start doing that whole like uh play your best at the end of the year thing? Like now? Like yeah, like immediately. Uh yeah. Um, all right. What 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 are we gonna do when Twitter's gone, Dave? Well, why is it going somewhere? I, I don't know. That's the that's the, the word on the street. Twitter's Twitter's doomed, Dave. Oh, okay. It's doomed. Uh, is, is there anywhere where I can fade that uh, thinking and, <laughs> and, and and place some bets on that? Uh, I mean, I'm like, I'm sure there is. No, oh, okay. I, I've got yeah. a, I've got everybody uh, freaking out. I just made a joke tweet that said, uh, "I'm really gonna miss some of you." I'm sure that to me, it tells me there's a lot of people unfamiliar with. Uh, how Tesla is run. <laughs> Doesn't like if you're like, if you have a, a problem with your battery in a Tesla, like you're, you're just out of Tesla. I I don't know about that. I, I probably don't, will never have enough money to, uh, to do one of those, buy one of those. But like, yeah, seems, seems pretty obvious that we're in like a weeding out the, <laughs> the weak and worthless portion of the takeover. <laughs> but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I do enjoy the like, it feels like a pack 12. It feels like the Johns are orchestrating this of like, 
next week there's going to be a you know next week the deal and then right. now, like, and it's like <laughs> next week this could be the last week for twitter i feel like we've been doing that for several weeks can i can i talk about one more thing at nku last night uh sure go ahead <laughs> it's one of the most remarkable things i've ever seen well it clearly has nothing to do with the game uh yeah well kind of it did Um, the guy that runs the scoreboard at NKU has the fastest fingers on the planet. Really? So me, Justin and Keith were all sitting, uh, behind the basket, like where the NKU bench was. Um, so pretty good angle on like when the ball goes through the net. Yeah. And we were all playing a game to see if when the ball went through the net, we could get our eyes to the scoreboard before, before it changed. Before he added the points. I think I was able to do it once. I looked as it changed once. Every other time. Every other time. Hold on, talk for a second. I got I to do something. Every other time we looked up. The score had already changed. That guy, whoever that guy is, and apparently it's like the regular announcer because I know a buddy of mine does some um, some color commentary for when they like they have the ninth region tournament there, and he does some color commentary. And he said he has given the wrong score before because in his mind there was no way, like the basket goes in, he looks up at the scoreboard. This is how it normally goes. You have like a second or two buffer. Yeah. So he would add the points as if they hadn't been added on the scoreboard yet. But they already had. So he was two points off because he <laughs> added the points. The guy the guy just beat him. I'm convinced he was cheating. I don't know how. How do you I don't know how? How do you cheat at that? I'm not sure. I haven't how would he know figured like out. How would he know the basket went in before anybody else did? I, I don't know, Dave. <laughs> I don't know. What is he telepathic? Maybe. Like that. I'm. I'm kind of thinking something supernatural was happening. That that man had the score on the board. Like as soon as the ball went inside the orange, the score was on the board. And he, he was never wrong. Like, he, you know what I mean? You would think somebody that was doing that, like, and the ball would pop out. Yeah. It never happened. Maybe, see, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, Jeff, if he was a time, like he had the, he has the play-by-play, like sitting in front of him, and he knows two points are going to be scored by this team at 16.34 okay. well, on the clock. If that was the case... He would not be working an NKU game. He would be no, he, well, but maybe on, it's an, front. on an island somewhere. Maybe he just loves Northern Kentucky. Maybe he yeah, has $2 billion from gambling. He just, I don't loves, know. he just loves Highland Heights. Is his name Biff by chance? No, but the new Charlotte coach's name is Biff. Yeah, it is. Norse Sorcery? Norsery? Norsery. Natalie, I don't, I don't know. 
I need to have Justin on to talk about this. Because the entire game, we were all just sitting there marveled. It was remarkable. I told Kareem, the, the photographer for the Inquirer, about it. And he thought I was joking. And I was like, no, I swear to God, when you're sitting on that baseline in the second half, it was like Kareem was walking to the right. to the workroom to get up pictures from the first half. And I was like, I'm dead serious, dude. When you're sitting down there in the second half, try this. Try to try to have your eyes beat his fingers to the scoreboard. Well, he probably he's just he has a thing, you know, he has his finger on it. And so he's just waiting to hit it. And so your eyes can't go as fast as his you can't. But I mean, look, Dave, it was like like as soon as the ball crossed the I was trying to beat him. Well, did you go ask him about it after the game? I should have. Yeah, you're they not stormed the court. You're not doing it your was, job. It was chaos. There was oh, a little chaosery. All 16 of them ran no, on the floor. They, they showed up. The North showed up. I'll give them credit. Like that that student section was full and it's a decent size. I mean, it's it's not that much smaller than like one side of UC student section. It's a good size student they section. Have, they I mean, they have 16,000 students there. Yeah, it's not a small place. No, it's like twice the size of Tulsa. Right. No. Four times. Tulsa's only like 3,500 students, isn't it? That's that small? I think it's that small. Did you see the article? Uh, I think it was today. The Business Courier about UC's enrollment. No. The goal, 2030, 60,000. That's a lot. 4682. So triple the Tulsa enrollment in, yeah. in KU. I want, like, Justin said on Twitter, while we were talking about it on Twitter today, Justin said it's one of the most amazing feats of athleticism he's ever seen. <laughs> the, the scoreboard, the scoreboard operator? The scoreboard operator. It's unbelievable. It was, like, it was trippy. Like, we were all trying. I mean, there wasn't much else entertained, like, it wasn't for UC baskets. You, you guys you are, are clearly enter, uh, easily entertained. Well, it's like one of those, like you know, like a like a test of skill. Like you know, you when you do the stopwatch when you're a kid, like how fast can I do the stopwatch or something dumb <laughs> that just occupies you? And the problem is when you lose every time, you become addicted to like I'm going to beat this guy. I am getting my eyes to that scoreboard before he gets the points up. And I did it once, and it was as it was changing. It was unreal. Might one call him a smooth operator? Go away. Get out of here. <laughs> he was, no, he wasn't smooth. You haven't been a dad long enough to tell a joke that bad. It, it's when, it, as soon as the kid comes out, the dad jokes just inherently flood into you. My buddy crushes his, he's got three kids, he crushes them every time. They, one of them tells him that they had a sub today at school, and he goes, what was it, a meatball? And it's like one of the best dad jokes. I do. I, mine, I would. I, I probably should be shot for. <laughs> My throat hurts. Your face is killing me. Oh, yeah. Age-old dad. My, my dad. my dad, hey, Gene, can you make me a drink? Poof, you're a drink. <laughs> he's, he's been doing doing that one for for quite a while. 
I'm told that one's like I'm not supposed to do that joke with a, a young girl. I guess, but I, well, I it, it's one of my go-to dad jokes. So I, I think yours how. yours can handle it. She's been indoctrinated. <laughs> she's she's an expert in sarcasm. Yes. Yeah. Um, but ECU mentality, loser mentality of. I wanted to win, Natalie. Natalie, I wanted to win. I was hell-bent on cracking the code on the mystery of the NKU uh, scoreboard operator. And I, I was really proud of the one time I did it. Really Nat proud. Natalie needs to hope, if she wants more of my tweets, really needs to hope we make it to the conference championship and beat UCF. Because they'll be flow. That's the only time they're going to be flowing next. I, I, I have, like, we're not going to have any reason to do it this week or next week. Temple doesn't have fans. <laughs> Tulane doesn't have, like, a, a Twitter. They're not going to get mouthy. They, they've, they're, they're just having happy. A, they're having a great year. They're happy. They were 2-10 and 10 last year. Like, yeah. of course they want to go to the conference championship, but, like, yeah, I don't I don't see see that happening. So even if they lose like if you're Tulane, and we'll get to this next week, I'm sure. You finally got on track, right? And now Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston are out. Yeah, now your coach is gonna leave after this year. Yeah, he might. <laughs> he might. I don't know, but maybe you see that as like, look, I gotta Still a an eight. Path to, uh, it's in a, a worse, a bowl. worse version of the AAC. Of course, he's trying. He would get out. May, but maybe he thinks like I can get a better job next year if I just win the conference. Yeah. I don't if know. I take if I take Tulane to a New Year's Six Bowl, I have no idea what their roster is. So, isn't that yeah. that quarterback's young still? Isn't he? Yeah, I think so. But there, I mean, he's no, he hasn't been. I mean, Tajay Spears is their dude, but. Offensively. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, Platt, Pratt, 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 Michael Pratt, Pratt Michael Pratt. Pratt. Yeah. We'll get to them. We, we, yeah. we'll, we'll have plenty of time to discuss them. I, I'm about, I think I'm about out. I don't, I don't have much else left. Do you? No, not really. Um, no, there's not, there's not a lot, uh, not a lot of deeper discussion needed on Temple. I mean, it's very much a, a UC like play well and win. I'm play not, like yeah, crap. I'm not calling it like a get right game, but like it's a, it's an on you game. Like right. you do it's what you, you do, what you need to do. You do it successfully. You should have no problems. You screw around again. You you can't can't run the ball at all. You bog down in the red zone. You're bad on third down. Then it's gonna be a game just like all these other games. Right. Um. Are, do you do you like the stormtroopers? I love all the uniforms. That's I don't give a shit. They're they're all great. Okay. I mean, there's ones I enjoy more than others, but sure. There, I think it's a great color scheme, uh, and I'm fine with the design. And they win a lot of football games. They, as Joe Burrow said, play in a parking lot. As I will say, wear whatever wear. Bumblebee costumes for all I care. <laughs> win, win the damn games. You play 
to win the game. Yeah. So, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> Aaron's a big Stormtrooper guy, isn't he? I, I like him. Uh, Jeff is the bigger one. He was actually on the video that you see. I know. Out. Yeah, I know. He he, he already he, bragged that. We yeah, he wanted to make to, sure. So that's we're gonna put a counter on him. That doesn't count as one of the counts, but I, I'm sure he'll appreciate that I mentioned. I, that I enjoy white helmets. I have no problem with them. Um, you know. Mo made a great point today. Bengals do white helmets. Everybody loses their Who's shit. The right? ah! We love the white helmets. You see those white helmets, the world is going to end. Yeah, because they lost the game. Everyone 13, loses their shit just for 13 years ago to a team that had Jesus Christ on it <laughs> and Satan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> too bad they didn't. Too bad they didn't cancel each other out. They were both awesome. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see them do white. You know the the throwback uh, basketball unis that say the Cats. Yeah. They should do white helmets and put that on the helmet. That would be dope. Or the old, old, old school block UC. I like that too. Yeah. We have to talk to Homefield about getting one of those, the cats, white hoodies. No, no. See, I just I don't like the, I like white unis. I don't like white apparel. I'm like short and chubby. I don't, I'm not going to wear white for it. It's not slim. Maybe, maybe black with the cats. Black would be cool. And red. Black the cats in red. In red and white. With the white trim. Yeah, some like white uh, drawstrings, like you have on that one. A black hoodie yeah. with white drawstrings, and then it says just white the cats on it. I think I would like red the cats with white lettering, or white like outline. Yeah. Or white with red outline. Either way, I would be perfectly fine. All right, we're just talking now to talk, and we promised we wouldn't do that on this podcast. So signing day, month, one month. Yep, uh, it's like five weeks, but yeah, basically the twenty first. Feels, feels very there. late. It does. You want to talk about the research you did? Uh, yeah, sure. So okay, go. I just looked at the conference and where it was a month out, the Big Twelve conference, and. Texas and Oklahoma, no surprise, one, two, uh, both in like the 92-ish and change average player rating. The interesting part, not necessarily surprising part, but like three through, I guess three through eight, the next six, all separated by less than one point. Right. Which is you know, virtually like one recruit here or there. Um, and I think that that is, I think that's fine. I think that's about what to expect. Like when Texas and Oklahoma go away, we've talked about it a ton. Nationally, they talked about like the parity, the competitiveness of the conference. Like there's going to be teams fighting every year, five, six, seven teams fighting every year that think they can win the league. And, you know, even BYU, who was last, is only, like, two points and change away from third. So it's like... Right. We're in a conference where, like, the, discre- the discrepancy or the disparity between UC and last and the American was a lot. 
right? You're going to a conference where the discrepancy in talent is going to be like this. Yeah, keep talking. I'm going to actually look at that real quick. Okay, I will. I will keep talking as Dave looks at that real quick. I mean, that that's like you wonder why everybody's kind of excited about the Big Twelve is because there isn't this wide talent gap, and even. Oklahoma and Texas are supposed to have a wide talent gap, and Oklahoma has played like they have a wide talent gap for a while. Texas has not. But everybody else is pretty much packed in here, except in the past, maybe Kansas, but they seem like they're on the come up a little bit. The disparity, and and Navy doesn't count, really, I guess. But the disparity of... No, they, they don't. But like, if you they look get, at, well, I won't look at this year because we're we're recruiting to the Big Twelve, right? So let's just look at twenty twenty two as an example. Um, this is going much because the majority of that class committed before Cincinnati was going to the Big Twelve. Right. So last year, UC was second in the conference, average player rating eighty eight. Tulsa. You're breaking up. Say that again. He's throwing 82.4. Oh, sorry. Tulsa was 82.64. East Carolina was 82.49. So you're talking about like four points difference. Per player on average. Right, per player on average. Um, Where now, like UCF, I think, is third. 87.91 87.91 and BYU is 14th at 85 and change. So like two to two and a half points difference between third and 14th versus in the American UC was four points difference from second to 10th. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a, I think, I think UC is sixth, sixth right now and they're like half of a, half of a point from UCF at third. Right. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be different. All right, everybody, take a break. Go to the potty. Do what you got to do, and then Dave and I are gonna be done. But we will come back here on this very channel, and make sure you like, you subscribe, you do all that fun stuff. We'll be back on this very channel with the Rocket Truth uh, from nine to ten. So thanks to Holy Grail. Thanks to Home Field Apparel. This, if you have a significant other, male, female, if you have a kid that's a huge UC fan, favorite, they, they favorite will Bearcat love you. Journal podcaster. Your favorite Bearcat Journal podcaster, um, not named uh, Ryan Royer. So Dave, um, get them this for Christmas. They will love you because it is an amazing hoodie. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Dave, it's been a pleasure, sir. As and now, always. tonight, you're done at 8.48 instead of 9.48. I know. It's wonderful. All right, we'll see you next time. Hopefully, I think, well, I guess it's going to depend on what time they're playing in Maui on Wednesday. As to when we're, we're live. Um, they're going to well, play we, on Wednesday in Maui. We got to go Wednesday play. because Thanksgiving, we're not, we can't right. go Thursday. 
so the time of this is dependent on when they play on Wednesday. We'll figure it out. Do you work Wednesday next week? Uh, some. We'll get it done. Yeah. One way or another, we'll get it done. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on AmericaJournal.com.